Well, Rally family all across the state, welcome wherever you find yourself, Clemson, Anderson, Columbia, Myrtle Beach, Charleston. I'm so excited to hang with y'all tonight. My name is Glenn. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I get to serve our young adults here at the Clemson campus. And I want you to know I absolutely love it. It's a dream job. I love young adults. I love 18 to 25 year olds. I love rallying. I love getting to pour into this ministry all across the state. And so I really am uh, excited to hang with y'all tonight. It's an honor and a privilege to, to get to do this. And so uh, I've got only about 25 minutes. And so I'm going to go ahead and jump in if that's cool with everybody. I'm going to keep tonight short and sweet. Uh, tonight we're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. Uh, and I want to remind you, or if you didn't know this, I want to put this in front of you that that the church was started by young adults. The early church and the, the early disciples of Jesus, they were young adults. And I believe that uh, this is important because I have lots of conversations with young adults who think that their role amongst the church or within the church is insignificant. Uh, or they, they feel like uh, their role in the church that they can't make any type of impact. And I just believe by looking at the lives of knuckleheads like Peter and James and, and Thomas, uh, that the exact opposite is true. Not only that, but the topic of the church, especially uh, coming out of this COVID season, uh, and especially during the COVID season, it raised a lot of questions about the church. Questions like, well, what is the church and, and, and why does it matter? Can I not just do church at home? What, what's the big deal about church? Is it very significant? Some of you maybe have been watching church online for the last nine months and you've been eating donuts on the couch, you're comfortable and you think, this is amazing, I'm never going to go back to church and, and literally, people are having these conversations and wondering, what is the role of the church? And I, I really believe people in this season have put a stake in the ground of what they believe when it comes to the body of Christ. And so that's the, what we're going to talk about tonight. And so like I said, this is going to be a very simple message, a very short and sweet message. My heart was to be simple and to be very practical. That is my, my heart into uh, tonight. I, hopefully, I'm going to bring you clarity on what the church is and why it's important. But also, um, I, I would love to stir your faith and, and get you to a place where you leave this message and go, man, i got to get involved in the local church. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer three questions tonight, and, 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 and it'll be short and sweet. And so here's the three questions. Number one, what is the church? Very simple. What is the church? Number two, why should I give my life to the church? And then the third question is, why is it important to stay planted in a church. What is the church? Why should I give my life to the church? And why is it important to stay planted in a local church? And so would you pray with me? And then we'll answer these questions together. God, we love you. Thank you for your church. Thank you um, that you said that nothing would overcome your church. Thank you that you use broken young adults like us all across the state to, to build your church, God. Uh, would you help us to, uh, tonight, would you speak through me and would you speak to the hearts of everyone in, in these rooms all across the state um, and stir their faith and, and, and help them identify what their role is in your body. God, we love you, we praise you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So question number one, what is the church? All right, I'm going to start off with three things that the church is not, okay? I grew up in church my whole life. I've been in church forever, and I hear these three things, especially in, like, westernized uh, southern church culture. I hear people believing that church is, is these three things. So, number one, church is not a building, okay? Church is not a building. The, the Bible makes it very clear that the church is not um, a place we go to on a Sunday, but it's a, bo a body or a family of believers, 
Uh, I know a lot of people, when they, when they hear the word church, the first thing that pops into their mind is a steeple or stained glass windows or a physical location. But church isn't something you go to. Church is the body of Christ. Second thing, church is not, church is not entertainment, okay? Church, like, church is not, um, you don't treat church the way you treat like a sporting event or a movie theater, right? Like you're not, you're not buying a ticket, showing up, eating some popcorn and consuming and get, getting entertained for an hour and then you leave until you come to the next event. That, that's not, I know a lot of churches are, have, have kind of steered in that direction um, and it's not always a bad thing, but I'm just telling you the primary role of a church is not for entertainment. And the third thing is this, and just being honest, this is a big one in the South, and this is the one, if you would have asked me probably 10 years ago, this is what I would have said, uh, a religious checkbox, a religious checkbox. Uh, you get dressed, you, you get your Sunday best on, you plan a Sunday meal, um, you go to church, you sing a couple songs, you hear a message, and then as soon as that hour is, is, is up, your, your Jesus life or your church life is over until next Sunday. And for these people, church is more of a weekend activity and not a daily priority. And I just want to put in front of you that none of these are biblical definitions or ideas associated with God's church. And so I just want to give you a working definition of the church that will also help us answer the next two questions. And so it'll be on the screen. Here, here it is. Uh, the church is a body or family of believers with Christ being the head who come together to represent the kingdom of heaven throughout the earth. I'll say it again. The church is a body or family, you can use those words interchangeably, of believers with Christ being the head who come together to represent the kingdom of heaven throughout the earth. I'll prove it to you. I'll give you two verses. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. Here's what it says. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And in Romans 12, verses four through five, it says this, for just as each of us have one body with many members, and th these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love these verses, this idea of a, of a body or a family, right? Think about when it comes to a body, um, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he said, hey, I'm going to send you my spirit and you're going to bring the kingdom. I'm going to go back to the father. I'm giving you my spirit. And what Jesus was saying is you're going to now be my hands and feet throughout the earth, right? You disciples, followers of Christ, you are going to be my physical representation, physically representing my body throughout the world until I come back one day. It's an, it's an amazing uh, reality. And then in Romans and Corinthians, it talks about this idea of a family. And so think about um, when you're born again, you join the family of God. Like this is, this is what scripture teaches, that you're born again into a family of God. And in this family, you have spiritual moms and dads, right, who have been following Jesus for a long time. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that are, you know, following this, doing this whole Jesus thing, this apprenticeship to Jesus, they're doing it together. And then you have what the Bible would call a spiritual infants or, or newborn believers. And, and, and we're all one big family now with the goal of becoming more like Jesus and making the world look more like the kingdom of God. And so I want to read this verse as well uh, and give you an example that hopefully sticks in your brain, <clears throat> excuse me, of what the church is. So it's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Here's what it says. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Here it is. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That is an amazing, amazing thought. And I want to, again, give you this image. So think about embassies, right? America has embassies all across the world. In, in pretty much every recognized country, there is an American embassy. And an American embassy is a little bit of America a long way from home. It's where the laws of America rule in foreign countries. And here's the, here, here's the asterisk. Embassies don't belong to the country they are in. They belong to the country they are from. And you probably see where I'm going with this, that God has had an embassy throughout history, and it's called the church. The church is God's embassy to bring the values, culture, and ways of Jesus into this world. The world is not home, but he has called the church to make it more, look more like heaven. Are you with me, Rally? The church is not to represent the country it's in, but the country it's from, heaven. Listen, you were a new creation, and Philippians says you are now a citizen of heaven. And so the church, the body of Christ, the family of believers, we are called to represent heaven and represent Jesus all throughout the world until Jesus comes back. This is the role of the church, a body, a family, an embassy to bring down the kingdom of heaven, which leads to my second question that we're going to dive into tonight. Why should you give your life to the church? Why should you give your life to the church? Something I've, I've realized working with young adults over the last couple years is young adults, they crave significance, right? Like they, they want to be known for something. They want to make an impact, and that's amazing. And I remind them all the time that uh, the most significant thing throughout history has been the church. And I'm convinced that giving your life and giving your service to the local church, it will bring you the most joy and satisfaction in your life. And so I got three reasons why you should give your life to the church, starting with the first one. As a part of the body, you have a role to play. As a part of the body, you, follower of Jesus, you have a role to play. So let me read you 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 through 27. A lot of verses, but go there with me. Starting in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given this one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would, for not, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, one body. I love this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker in, or, or indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Verse 27, now you are the body of the Christ, and each one of you are a part of it. It's amazing. Okay, and here's what I want you to know. This verse is saying, I know it's a lot, that for the body to properly function, you have to operate in your role. Young adult across the state, you, God, is at, God has given you a specific gift and a specific role and that when you operate in that thing, whatever it may be, you hear this all the time around New Spring World, it brings God glory, it brings, brings you joy, and it brings the world good. And it makes your church home better. Right, Ephesians 2.10, you know the verse, it's on your coffee mugs, it's on your Instagram handles, God has, you are his masterpiece, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There are gifts inside of you that God has given you and you're a masterpiece for him and when you operate in whatever that thing is, he gave you that because he knows it's going to bring you the most joy and it's going to bring the world good. He gave it to you for a specific purpose and the world needs that. The world needs the unique gifts and roles that God has placed in your life. The world needs it. The church needs it. The local body needs it. I hear it all the time. Well, my role, it just, it doesn't seem that important. Or it seems too small. Or it doesn't seem like it can really make an impact. And I'm, literally, that's why Paul wrote this section in, in 1 Corinthians. Because the Corinthians were saying the same exact thing. They are like, I don't know. Some gifts seem better than the others. I don't seem very important. And Excuse me, and I'm here to tell you whether your gift or role or part of the body is big, small, seen or unseen, it is essential to the body of Christ. Can you imagine, and Paul says this, but can you imagine if a body was made up of just hands and feet? Like how ridiculous would that be? It's, it's, not, even, it's not even logical, and this is what Paul is trying to say, that the body, it must have different parts and gifts or it would not work together effectively. They all work together, the big, the small, the seen, the unseen. I hear people all the time, well, I'm not on stage with a microphone, or I'm not leading a big ministry, and I'm telling you, that is not, Paul is making it very clear that there's not, there's not like rankings of gifts and rankings of, you know, this is better than this or this is better than that. The, the, the serving in the behind-the-scenes role are just as important as the preaching, the, the administrative role is just as important as the, the, the communicating from stage. We could go on and on. The hand is no better than the eye. The eye is no better than the foot, etc., etc. Listen, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Do not settle for Bible Belt, sleepy Southern Christianity and sit on the sidelines and wait for your name to be called. Get in the game because the day you gave your life to Jesus, God gave you a gift and he gave you a role. And the world and the body of Christ, they need it. They need it desperately. Which leads me to my second reason why you should give your life to the church Jesus ushers in a kingdom that says if you want to be identified as one of his followers, if you want to become more like him, and if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you must serve. You must serve. Let me read Mark 10, 45. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13 12 through 17, Jesus is washing disciples' feet. You know the story. He says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sent him. 
Now, if you do these things, you will be blessed. And lastly, Matthew 23, the greatest, 2311, the greatest among you will be your servant. Listen, this is a mind-blowing reality. Jesus Christ left heaven and came down to earth to serve you and me. Let that blow your mind for a second. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords sitting on a throne in all of his majesty and glory left heaven. He put on flesh and blown and he stepped in the middle of humanity's mess and he served people that denied him, rebuked him, mocked him, and made fun of him. And I'm telling you, Rally, when you truly grasp that this is the heart of our King Jesus, it will compel you to make serve, service a priority in your life. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you must serve. And I'm just here to tell you, Rally, this wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't a recommendation for us. It is the calling on all believers' lives and one of the primary ways we identify as one of his followers, to serve. And if you're anything like me, selfishness and pride are two things I have to battle every single day. And if you want to know the number one thing that I can do to overcome those two things, it's humbling myself and serving the church. It's serving the body of Christ just like Jesus did. It's part of our vision statement that we're going to be a, a, a generation that pursues the ways of Jesus. And I'm just telling you, on the top of his list was serving. And the church is one of the best places to do this. Well, that's why we encourage you to get, serve in production, serve in Kids Spring, serve in mission, serve in Fuse, because this is a way of Jesus. And I want to just clear the air with this too. The gifts that God has given you, they're not for you primarily. They are for the building up and the edifying and the encouragement and the service of other people, right? God didn't give Brad Cooper the gift of leadership to just lead himself. It's for other people. God, God did not give um, Josh Bull the gift of preaching to preach to himself, right? God has given people gifts in the body to serve others, to build up others, to encourage others. This is the role of the church. Every great leader we know and admire we admire them because they humbly serve others. And this idea rally was started by a humble servant in Nazareth over 2,000 years ago. And it's still the thing that will draw others to Jesus in you by the way that you serve. Number three, my third reason why you should give your life to uh, the church, there is an eternal impact. An eternal impact. And this is twofold rally, okay? You should give your life to the church because it has an eternal impact on you personally and it can also have an internal impact on the people that you lead and serve. Listen to me, okay, I'm telling you this. <coughs> Excuse me, I got pollen just all in my throat right now, okay? <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Um, listen to me, Rally, okay? I, I tell you this because I love you and as your pastor, I want you to hear this. You will stand in front of God one day for how you stewarded the gifts and the resources that he gave you. That is 100% Bible, it's 100% true. God is gonna ask you two questions on the day of judgment. One, he's gonna ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? And then two, he's gonna ask you, well, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? The first question determines eternal destiny. The second question determines eternal rewards. Eternal destiny and then eternal rewards. And I want you to know the way you give your life to the church and serve the body of Christ will determine the rewards you receive in heaven. And I don't have a clue what that means or what that really looks like. And I don't think the Bible is very explicit on what exactly it looks like, what exactly it looks like. But personally, I want to steward this opportunity well because I want to stand in front of Jesus one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And if I had to bet, Rally, you want to hear the same exact thing. 
And it's by serving the church, giving your life to the church. There's an eternal reward on the other side. Not not only does it impact you personally, but the way you lead and serve people in the church can affect their eternity. Right? This is amazing to me to think that God would want to partner with us to have an impact on other people's eternity. Right? The most satisfying thing in my life was, was getting to disciple. There were six young men that I discipled for four years all throughout college. And it is so satisfying to me to know that they are better followers of Jesus and their eternity has changed because I got to partner with God in helping disciple them. It's amazing. Not only that, but think about, um, I'm sure some of you, this has happened to you personally. Think about, um, like, you've probably pursued a non-believer so long and they finally gave up to, they, they finally gave in to saying yes to Jesus. They, they gave their life to Jesus. And part of the reason that happened was because of how well you loved them. Right? It's, it's a mind-blowing concept to me that God would want to partner with us to change someone's eternity. Right? We could go on and on example by example, but I want you to know giving your, life to, giving your life to the church is a big deal because God wants to use you in his church, and it can have an impact on your personal attorney and others, and I promise you it's the most fulfilling and satisfying feeling in the world. I've been there. I'm in the middle of experiencing it now. Give your life to the church. You have a role to play. Your cause to serve, and there's an internal impact to be made on yourself and others. Which leads me to my final question, number three tonight. Why does being planted in a church matter? Why does being planted in a church matter? And I got three reasons for this question as well. So in other words, like why can't I just church hop, right? Like why can't I just, (coughs) excuse me, go church to church? Why can't I do church in the ocean when I'm surfing? You know, like why can't I just do church at the coffee shop with my buddies whenever I want to? Like why, why? And I I just want to say none of these things are necessarily bad, but I'm telling you it is important to stay planted in one specific church. Psalm 92 verse 13 says this. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And so let me give you three reasons why being planted in a church matters. Number one. This is one of the primary ways to be discipled and to make disciples. It's one of the primary ways to be discipled and make disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you all know the verse. Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am always with you, even to the end of the age." Out of all the things that Jesus could have said to his disciples before he left, one of the the last things he said was, I want you to go and make disciples. And Riley, I need you to feel the appropriate weight of what that means. That the last thing that Jesus said was, go and make disciples. And I need you to know that this is our heart for Riley. That you would understand, young adult, that it is the call in your life not only to be discipled, but to go and make disciples. I'm telling you right now, you need a spiritual mom or dad. You need someone who's a little bit more seasoned in their walk with Jesus to you, to pour into you and to disciple you and to teach you how to date and to teach you how to read your Bible and to teach you how to deal with temptation and to teach you how to steward your finances and to teach you the ways of Jesus. And it's the church's role to raise up and equip people to do this. And then what happens is when you're ready, you're spiritually mature and you're ready to go, then you go and do that for someone else. 
And then they go do that for someone else. And this is how the kingdom grows and the multiplication of the church happens over time. I use this example a lot, and I'll, and I'll <coughs> say it again. I use it here in Clemson. There is a young man right now in middle school who's getting picked on. He's getting bullied. His parents don't really care about him, and he's lonely. And he needs a 21-year-old guy to put his arm around him and take him to breakfast every morning and say, hey, man, I went through that. Let me tell you how, how I came out on the other side of it. Or there's a young woman who um, a guy maybe treated her wrong and she's, and she's anxious and she's depressed and she, does, she has self-image issues and, and whatever it may be. And there's a young woman who needs to put her arm around her and say, hey, I've been there. Let me, let me show you some things that, that God has showed me. Let, me. let me teach you how to navigate through that. It's the role of the church. It's why being planted in a church matters because you need to get discipled. And then as a result, you need to go and make disciples. Number two, I could camp out there all day, but we got to keep going. I got five minutes. Number two, second reason you should stay planted in a church, because in Christ, you are a priest now. You are a priest now. Let me read this. Uh, let me read this verse in 1 Peter 2, 9. Here's what it says. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare his praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You're a royal priesthood. And I want you to know that the job of a priest in Scripture was two things, to commune with God and to serve other people within the temple. Commune with God and to serve other people within the temple. And I need you to hear me rally that this is part of your calling now too, even in 2021. Not just to have intimacy with God, but to serve people within the church right now. And I just want to camp out here just a little bit. And as your pastor, I want to lovingly get in your face and just give you some newsflash, okay? I say this in the most kind and, and humble way. Church is not about you, okay? Hear me. Church is not about you. We live in a materialistic, individualistic, consumeristic culture that has made its way into the walls of the church. But I'm telling you, your job isn't to come to church to consume. Your job is to come to church to be a priest, to pray for others, to serve others, to bear one another's burdens, to lay your life down for others. And I know this may seem like a completely foreign concept to some of you. And I get it because it, it was to me. Because my whole life, I grew up in church, I showed up, I listened to a message, I sung a couple songs with my hands in my pockets real awkwardly, then I left and I critiqued what I liked and what I didn't like, and that was what church was for me. And if I had to bet, that's probably some of your experiences as well. <clears throat> but I want to challenge you, Rally. Don't let this be how you operate. Listen to me. Spiritual maturity happens when you realize that church primarily isn't for you. It's for you to serve the church, to use the gifts God has given you to be a priest so that the body of Christ can be built up and the body of Christ gets better as a whole. The most mature young adults I know, some of them are sitting in this room right now, they're fully devoted to their walk with Jesus and they get this idea that church is not about them. It's about serving and building up the body of Christ. And can I just speak to this too? I did a little bit earlier. Church hopping, church hopping. Like, listen, there's a season of like trying out new churches and see what works best for you and your family and your girl. Like, what, that's fine. But if you one Sunday go to a church because you like the communicator and then the next Sunday you're going here because you like the worship and then the next Sunday I'm going with my girlfriend, I'm just telling you that's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not that God's designed for the church, you're called to stay planted and to, and to serve. And I want to say last thing, and, and we got to keep going. As a priest, you're not called to critique from the sidelines. You're called to get in the game and contribute. 
God has given you a role. He's given you a gift. Contribute to the church. The third reason why you need to stay planted. You need the church and the church needs you. You need the church and the church needs you. Let me read Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. God is commanding us, or Paul is commanding us, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, they're commanding us to make gathering a priority because they know it's vital to the health of a believer. If I asked anyone in these rooms, um, tell me how the church has impacted you, I, I would bet that 95% of us could, could give example after example of how the church has impacted us in a positive way, right? And that's why we, ha- we can't give up meeting. We need the church. The church needs us. Think about seasons of depression and anxiety. Where can you go to? The church. Seasons of addiction and, and oppression. Where can you get help? The church. If your marriage is on the rocks and you're, and, you're, and you're thinking about divorce and you need someone to talk to, where can you go to? The church. If you want to discover and you grow in your gifts, guess who can help with that? The church. Right? We could go on and on and on. And then once you're planted and become mature in your faith, then you can be that help and resource for someone else. This is the way of the kingdom and you're invited into it. And I love, the, I love the, the fact that young woman, young man across the state, you can move anywhere. But one thing that you can continue to do is continue gathering and building God's church. I'll never forget um, growing up, a junior year in high school, Riley Cummings, um, who's now the Anderson uh, campus pastor. He was the Fuse pastor in Greenwood at this time. I went to Fuse one time. He got my number somehow. And literally for the next year just blew me up and wanted to take me to lunch. And to be honest, it was really annoying. I've told him that. It was so annoying. I'm like, bro, I don't, wanna, I don't know you. I don't want to talk about my heart. Like I'm not really following Jesus. I'm good. Um, but you know what happened when my life hit rock bottom? When I get, got to Clemson, guess who was the first person I called? Riley Cummings. And you know what Riley Cummings did? He helped me identify what my gifts and my passions were. He, he, he took me under his wing. He let me serve at the church. And the church took me under my wing, their wing. And, and I, as a follower of Jesus, I grew in my faith. I grew in my understanding of my gifts. I grew in my understanding of serving the church. And I became a better disciple of Jesus because of Riley and because of the local church. And I'm forever grateful for it. So I want to end with this. Um, Y'all remember when Jesus told Peter, he said, hey, Peter, nothing's going to overcome my church. It will never end. Uh, In the church, it's the one thing throughout history that has never stopped moving forward. And and it's always had some type of significant impact on the world. And I'm telling you, Riley, God is inviting us into this mission and to be a part of history. We are here because throughout generations, the body of Christ has continued even in the face of death and persecution. And here's just a couple questions. Don't you want to give your life to this? (laughs) Like, don't you want to have an impact on history? Don't you want to sow something that will reap eternal benefits? These things only can happen if you get off the sideline and you get in the game. Your role is important and the world needs you. The world needs you, Rally. No matter if you're sent out and you become a doctor in California or you become a teacher in Texas or you become an engineer in Florida or if you become a pastor here in Greenville or Clemson or whatever, South Carolina, the one common thing that you can continue is you can use the gifts God has uniquely given you to build his church. 
And I'm convinced that on the other side of that is soul-fulfilling joy. So would you pray with me, and we'll jump into discussion. God, thank you for your church. Um, Thank you for... Uh, the fact that you call us to be priests, you call us to serve one another, you call us to carry one another's burdens. Our, our, our goal is not to sit on the sidelines and to watch and to consume. Our job is to get in the game. And you've given us gifts to do that. You've given us roles and responsibilities to do that. And we're forever grateful for that. God, show us how to steward those well. Show us how to steward those better so that we can stand in front of you one day and hear, well, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. We love you, God. We pray all this in King Jesus' name. Amen.